You're listening to New Spring Radio with Hector Velarde, pastor of Calvary New Spring Church in San Antonio, Texas. Satan will always have one last fight before letting anyone go. He doesn't want to let you go. But if you're surrendering to Christ, he has to let go. But he's not going to let go without trying to convulse, to contract, to contort, and to convince us that following Jesus is wrong. However, when Jesus says, get out, he has to get out. One of the things that we can forget as Christians is that we have an enemy out there who is against us. Satan is constantly trying to distract us from looking at Jesus. In today's message, Pastor Hector will be sharing about the influence that Satan has in our lives. This isn't an influence that we must give ourselves over to. When Jesus commanded evil spirits to leave, they left. We have nothing to fear because Jesus has already won the battle. We can rest assured in the victory we have in Christ. Now. Here's Pastor Hector in the book of Mark chapter 1, as he continues his message, Jesus' authority made public. It says that he taught with real authority. That word authority, it just simply means power. So as he got up there, there was a power. It doesn't mean that he was like the most eloquent and that he was just, man, he just, everybody was like, ooh, ah, you know, and what he said, they were just, it just means that there was a power behind what he said. And Jesus, I believe, taught with power because he was confident in what the word said and not in what somebody else said. So That being said, nothing wrong. And so please don't take this the wrong way and say, well, then I'm just not coming back to church ever again. But nothing wrong with you repeating something you hear at church, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with you quoting it or you putting it out there or God ministering through to you through something that somebody said at church or a devotional that you have read, but don't use that as a substitute for hearing personally from God. Like, He wants to speak to you directly, right? And so the idea is that we come to church, or at least what I think church is about, we come to church, we kind of fill up. I think I've told you guys this before. We, sometimes we come in limping, right, from the world, the things that have happened, the things that, especially as of late, but we, we come in sad, and nonetheless, we, we come in and, and, and we come in to refuel, and that's what God's Word does. But you cannot survive only on what you hear on Sunday morning. You have to draw out of what the Word says personally. And that's where the power came from. See, it wasn't no longer just saying, Pastor Hector said this. It was like, the, the Lord told me this. And that's, what, that's why there was power. There was a difference in what Jesus was doing. And his teaching was so powerful. His teaching was so different that the following thing happens. Look at verse 23. Now, there was a man in that synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But then look what Jesus does. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, 
he came out of him. Now that is just, I have to tell you, in the time that I have been pastoring, I, I am yet to see this. I, I've had some weird things happen at church, but, but not this. You know, one time, I, and I don't know if I shared this with you guys. Some of you guys may know this. I was in the middle of a teaching in Guanajuato, and, and we, we have, so we have fluorescent lights, but there's no covers on them, and they're just kind of exposed, right? We can get away with that in Mexico. And so I, I was in a pulpit just like this one, and I was in the middle of whatever message I was giving, and there were two fluorescent lights kind of right above me, and in the middle of what I was saying, one of, they, they just fell. And it fell and it hit me in the arm and it hit the side of the pulpit. And you know fluorescent lights, they're kind of like lightsabers that explode, right? And they just exploded. And it went all over the people in the front anyways. And it didn't hurt me or anything, but I thought that was pretty weird, you know? I mean, I don't know that I'm going to blame a demon for it, but it was beyond ordinary. I had never seen anything like that. I've had the lights go out of us in the middle of service. Weird stuff happened, but not this. Consider the following. I, I had to ask myself, how long do you think this guy has been coming to church? It, it doesn't tell us, right? But I don't think it was his first visit. It just would seem to me that he was a regular attendee. Like that he was always within the midst of the people. Now, he might have been. It might have been his first time. It doesn't, it doesn't tell us either way whether it was his first visit or whether he had been coming to this synagogue for a long time. What this tells me is that not everyone who attends church is a believer. Not everyone who attends church, because you need to know a believer cannot be demon-possessed. And I don't have the time to get into that. That was not part of what I've, I've planned to share. But you just need to know, believers can be oppressed, but they cannot be possessed. And so there's a big difference in those two things. But this guy, you know, he could have been one of their most faithful attendees, yet lost. He could have been the guy that is always there, just doesn't have a relationship with God. It's not until you repent of your sin and you confess who Jesus is that you gain salvation. And this guy has most likely been coming and going from this synagogue, yet demon-possessed. Not only that, I also had to ask myself, what did Jesus say? Like, it tells us that he taught, and he taught with authority, but he doesn't tell us what it is that Jesus said. But look at what the responses of the unclean spirit that's speaking through this man. Look at what it says. Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? Doesn't it almost seem that Jesus is teaching on something that addressed this unclean spirit like personally? It doesn't tell us, but he just let us alone. What, what did he say? It doesn't tell us exactly what it is, but it had to be something that, that attack, that directed him. And you know what? This, this, again, this hasn't happened to me exactly, but on several occasions, people have come up to me, and maybe you've done this here or somewhere else, or this has happened to you. But it's happened where people come up to me after service, and they'll say, They'll ask me, who told you about my situation? Who told you? 
And my husband's talking to you. And I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. But, but don't miss this because I, I, I think I'm glad it doesn't tell us what it is that he said. We just can, can gather from what he says, let us alone, that there was something that, that addressed this demon, right? The personally, whatever it is. But we need to know that God's word simply taught simply will fulfill its purpose and not return void. Like it's going to penetrate. It's going to cut. It's going to address those things. If you're here and, and you continue to tune in, I guarantee you God will speak to you. He will address something in your life. Sometimes he needs to comfort you. Sometimes he needs to wake you up, to some literally. Sometimes he, he needs to correct you. Sometimes he just needs to exhort you. Sometimes he just, hey, uh, you know, you just kind of get that, that pat on the back from the Lord. Well done. Just keep doing what you're doing. I know life is tough. It's going to be Okay. In this case, God had an appointment with this guy. Not with the demon. God had an appointment with this guy who was possessed and addresses this issue in order to save him. Notice that in verse 24, this unclean spirit knew who Jesus was. It says, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And that statement right there, I know who you are, you are the Holy One of God, though coming from the wrong source, is nothing but truth. That is truth. He is the Holy One of God. In this case, he he states this not as confession. Remember, it's an unclean spirit who is speaking here. He's not like confessing it to receive salvation. He's not but more in fear because even the spirit world knows who Jesus is and that Jesus is Lord. You know, the Bible tells us that the demons believe and they tremble. No, they know who he is. And here it's very clear. Hey, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And then I love Jesus' response. Look at it. It says, be quiet, it's verse 25, and come out of him. This is going to be the first of only two times that Jesus will use this phrase, be quiet. The second one, we're going to just, you can make a note of it. It's going to be in chapter 4 when he tells the wind. Uh, remember when they're in the middle of the boat and, and they're scared and he just, just be quiet. He tells the wind and the wind <coughs> obeys instantly. But this is the first time and it just really means to be muzzled. Like be quiet, be, be muzzled. In, in Spanish, we use a term called no mas. Like no mas. You know, this guy's, who are you? And what do you have to do with us? And leave us alone. And Jesus stepped up. And if it was in, in, in Spanish, he would say, no mas. And that was it. He couldn't speak anymore. He was muzzled. And, and I love that because I noticed and what I took out of that, just that simple phrase, be quiet. What I take out of that is that Jesus does not engage in conversation with this demon. Notice that he's not, so how long have you been in there? And why are you there? And would you please leave him? It's just no mas, no more. And it's funny because sometimes as believers, we want to do like battle with the spirit world. And we're not called to do that. There is a church in Guanajuato that I understood. I never went there. I wouldn't go there. But the, the, and, and not because it's a bad church, but because what 
this particular gathering was not very good, but they would have like their Friday night spiritual warfare sessions. And, and what I understood would happen is that they would go in there and they would do battle with Satan, supposedly. I don't know how you do that, but th- I was told that some would come out bruised and blue at times. Now, I don't know if they're hitting each other or if they're, <laughs> I'm not sure what was going on, and I don't want to make light of it, but, but, but I, I say that because if Jesus isn't interested in engaging in warfare, why should we? Like, the victory's already been won. So if it's already been won, why are we going to, like, put our dukes up? Come on, let's go. Let's do this. If you recall the last time Satan came to Jesus, he just simply used the word, remember, to ward him off? Just, just the word. And I think that's all you need is just word. And I encourage you to do the same because we have nothing more powerful than this word. And so if you want to battle Satan, use your word. I mean, don't try to fight him. I mean, he can take you on your best day. He just can. I mean, it, it, it's, he's a powerful thing. But it's okay because greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. And so we have nothing, absolutely nothing to fear, and we have nothing to fight about. Jesus has already fought for us. And I love his example. He just says, be quiet. Jesus says, come out of him, no mas. And of course, the demon has to obey. I mean, he has to obey, but notice that he obeys without one last, he obeys but not without one last fight. Verse 29, and with the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. That word convulse means to suffer violent and involuntary contractions of the muscles. So you can think of somebody who's convulsing. Maybe I kind of think of an epileptic seizure, something like that. You know, there's kind of this involuntary, uh, violent uh, contraction of the muscles and that's happening in this man. And this man suffers this one last attack from Satan and is freed of this demon in just a miraculous way. Satan will always have one last fight before letting anyone go. He doesn't want to let you go. But if you're surrendering to Christ, he has to let go. But he's not going to let go without trying to convulse, to contract, to contort, and to convince us that following Jesus is wrong. However, when Jesus says, get out, he has to get out. So we make the choice, right? Do we, who are we going to listen to in that moment of, okay, I'm, 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 I'm doing this, Lord. I'm giving you my life. And then there's the enemy, right, to try to just convince you that that's the wrong decision and he's going he's gonna to have one final attack on your life. Hey, don't give in. Don't give in. Follow what you know is right and that's surrendering to Christ. Now, how would you react if this was to happen right now, right here in front of you? I, I was going to call somebody out, right? But what if, like, this person starts frothing at the mouth, right? And starts, <laughs> hey, what are you doing? How would you, I mean, I, I might hide behind my pulpit. I don't know what I'd do. But look at what they do, verse 27. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, what is this? 
Now, this is now the people that, is, that are there. What is this new doctrine? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. In verse 28, and immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. They were astounded. These, these people were confused. Notice they're asking, what doctrine is this? What is going on here? But at the same time, they're interested. It's, they're asking questions, and I like that. What, what doctrine is this? What, 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 what is going on that says that they question themselves? You know, what, what is this new doctrine? What is this authority that he has? And you know, it's always like that with Jesus and salvation. We see him transform somebody else's life, and we're amazed. It's like, no way. I can't believe that you're at church. I can't believe that you're saved. We questioned what happened, and somehow we're interested. And I'm going to ask you to keep this curiosity, what's going on here in 27 and 28, in mind because it's going to tie into our last point. So these people, you gotta, you got to remember, this is where our story ends here at the synagogue, but they're there, they've experienced this, they've heard his teaching, his authority, they've seen what he's done, this miracle, and now they're like, whoa, what is going on here? What is happening? And so that's, that's the first thing, authority over the supernatural. But let's go on to the second division, which is authority over the sick. Verse 29 says, Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So here's the four that I mentioned earlier. Mark is using his action words, notice, to lead us along. He says, now, as soon as they had come out, and it's just, it gives you an idea of we're going from one scene to the next, right? We're, we're leaving the synagogue, and it's like immediately after that, they come out of the synagogue, and they went immediately to Simon in Andrew's house. It's the Sabbath, and if you know about the Sabbath, and the, during the Sabbath, you weren't allowed to do much during that time. It was a day of rest. And so you would do your customary meal right after church. The idea with the Sabbath is that you rested. That was the point that you relaxed. It was not the day to get all of your chores done. It was not the day, although sometimes we treat it as such, but, but it, it was not the day to do all that. It was just you took the day off. Right? And you just, they're, they're going back home. They're more than likely going to eat. But look at what happens when they walk in in verse 30. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with the fever, and they told him about her at once. A couple of things to note here. No, one, notice who's sick. N notice what it says Peter's mother in law. I, I find it interesting that instead of saying, mother-in-law, it says Simon's wife's mother. It's almost as if Luke wants to make sure that we understand that Peter's married, right? And just real quickly, if Peter was the first pope, which I don't think he was, then he was a married pope. You know, he, it tells you right here, there's no mistaking that God wanted us to know that Peter was a married man. They went into the house, and with the fever was Simon's wife's mother. And I only bring that out not to attack somebody else, because that's not my point. I only bring that out because we need to be careful with substituting tradition with reading your Bible. That often happens. 
It's like, well, why do you believe that? I don't know. Everybody else believed that. Well, but what does the Bible say? And here's just one of those places, I mean, where you'll see, and we'll point out a few others because later we'll know that Mary had other children. And that's something that also within the Catholic religion they don't believe in. But so are you believing tradition or are you believing Bible? Here it tells us that he was married. But be that as it may, I also want you to notice what they did with the news of the sickness. Look at whom they tell about the fever. Like they find out about it and who do they tell? They tell Jesus. Notice that they did not go to a doctor. They didn't look for the town sage. They didn't find the curandero, you know, which happens a lot in Mexico. They went to Jesus. Why go to Jesus? Oh, well, because they just witnessed that miracle at church. Just a little while ago, they saw Jesus perform a miracle, and they, without a doubt, were still amazed at what had just happened, and it was logical to ask Jesus. I'm sure they're figuring, hey, if he cast out a demon just a little while ago, maybe he can do something about an illness. Now, you got to remember, up to this point, they have not seen this. They have not seen Jesus heal anybody. And so it's, it's just logical, hey, Jesus, hey, can you do anything? And they ask him, and look what happens. Verse 31, so he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. He healed her instantly. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. Now, we get very few details of what happened, but I don't know about you, but I want to know more. Like, I like the details. What happened? Like, I like to imagine that I'm there. Did did she, like, get up? Or did she get healed the minute that he touched her hand? Was it, like, at that moment that, that their hands made contact that she got healed? Or did she get healed as he was lifting her up? What was it like? I, I don't know, but I bet it was pretty amazing. You know, to see the, the fever leaving this lady's body. Let me just say this. There's nothing wrong with calling the doctor. We, we do it often. There's, there's nothing wrong with grabbing the medication. That's what it's there for. There's nothing wrong with searching. You guys probably don't do this, but we do. There's nothing wrong searching Google for answers. You ever done that? The rash on my child, what is it, right? And, and, and we do that, and there's nothing wrong with that, but try and do that after you've prayed. Try and, like, pray first, unless the person is not breathing. Then you, and you can pray and call at the same time. You pray, I'm calling, right? But pray. So many times we forget about that. You know, we go to the things that are the norm, and we don't pray. We don't, we don't take it to Jesus first, I guess is what I'm saying. The Bible in Philippians 4, 6 is be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 6. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so it's, it's giving him those things by prayer, by supplications. And these guys saw a need and they made their requests known to Jesus. Jesus, she is extremely ill and he chose to heal Simon's mother-in-law. Amazing. However, 
Not everyone we pray for gets healed. Right? Not everyone we pray for gets healed, and that truth will play into our last section. Up to this point, Jesus has not only begun to preach and teach, but he is now demonstrating his authority over the supernatural, which he's going to continue to do, but also over the sick, over illness, over disease. The next time we meet, we're going to see him healing somebody who is diseased, a leper. The book of Mark is one of four gospel books in the New Testament. It gives you a unique perspective from Mark's writings that may include things the other three books don't. For example, in Mark, it frequently mentions Jesus being on the move. He was intentional during his three years of ministry and didn't waste any time. He was purposeful in what he did. Jesus knew his time was limited before things with the religious leaders would get to a boiling point. So he wanted to reach as many lost people as possible during those years of ministry. Do you sense a limited amount of time to reach people in this day and age? There isn't an endless amount of time before Jesus returns. Many people are lost in the world and need a savior. You could be God's messenger to the people around you. There should be a sense of urgency to tell people about Jesus. At some point, it'll be too late. And that neighbor or friend really needs to know Jesus. We trust this time you spent in the Word today has been fruitful here at New Spring Radio. Our desire is for you to grow in your love and knowledge of God's Word. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from the book of Mark, feel free to find them at calvarynewspring.com. Just look under the Messages tab. If you'd like to get to know Pastor Hector a little more, you can find information about him on our website too, calvarynewspring.com. That's all the time we have for today's edition. But come back to hear more from Pastor Hector in the book of Mark on New Spring Radio.